Hey friends, Brad and I started Batshit because we needed someone to talk to about our bipolar. So when looking for a sponsor, BetterHelp was the obvious choice. BetterHelp provides access to therapists via text, via Zoom, via email, via phone call, 24 hours, seven days a week. I don't need to tell anyone how broken the American healthcare system is, especially when it comes to mental illness. But the beautiful thing about BetterHelp is that they'll work with you. Go to www.betterhelp.com backslash batshit. You'll get 10% off for the first month and you'll get someone to talk to right now. If you need to talk to someone, do it. Please. We love you. Hey, everybody. We did it again. We had an awesome interview, but we did it over Zoom and we're still not 100% sure how this audio thing works. So the quality isn't great and I have a delay, which makes me sound kind of high, which, hey, there's a reason for listening just there. But sorry again about the audio quality. We're going to keep working on it, and we're going to get it. Welcome to Batshit, a frank and funny look at living with mental illness. While we'll touch on several illnesses, Batshit is focused on those along the spectrum of bipolar disorders. I'm your host, Adam. Uh, And I'm your host, Brad. Weirdly enough, I'm the one drinking. (laughs) And we're both bipolar. So strap in and let's see how batshit we really are. Spoiler alert, pretty damn batshit. This episode's topic, Lauren Melisi. Hooray! Uh, Lauren is uh, someone that I found on Twitter uh, a while back who cracked me the hell up. And uh, then I discovered she was also uh, a writer and a poet. And I checked out her poetry and was absolutely floored. And I don't say this just kissing your ass. You may be my current favorite poet. <laughs> if you don't mind, why why don't you uh, tell us uh, what you've been diagnosed with? Uh, so I have PTSD and uh, and borderline personality disorder. Oh, and also OCD. Nice, nice. Well, not nice. Yeah, bad. But <laughs> when did you? Uh, when were you diagnosed? Um, PTSD, probably when I was like 15, and then it's just been building since then. Um, borderline in 2020, and then OCD semi-recent. Oh, wow. So with, with all three of those, do you find that they, they compound one another? Like, do you get episodes of each together? I would say so. I think that the, the BPD and, and the PTSD, like, like hate each other. Kind of <laughs> like feuding families. <laughs> yes, because um, they're they're both so like overly emotional and obsessive, but in completely different ways. Um, and I feel like my brain is like fighting itself in a way sometimes. Um, but really fun to find out that I had it, and then I didn't just have super PTSD or something. Sure. I I can totally relate with that idea of your brain fighting itself mm-hmm. because you sit there and you're. You know what you're supposed to do and supposed to say and how you're supposed to feel, but that's not how it works, right? It's like you got the two warring factions fighting for control, and yeah, it's it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. Could you explain borderline personality disorder? I kind of like I think that in the past I've described it as like when you play like a video game on nightmare mode. Um, because just everything is every like normal action you take is so much like more difficult. But the same could be said for PTSD. Um, I've just done a lot more treatment in that 
like area so i feel like the bpd kind of is more like overarching and it's really it's it's not like in fatal attraction when she kills the bunny i would never kill a bunny <laughs> that should not be our only like pop culture reference for that um but it's very obsessive and very um reacting like oh just overreacting over like and and almost like childlike reaction to things too like being being abandoned and um not um having your needs met right away it's like you have like a like a, like a toddler tantrum almost um, yeah it's just interesting you say that because i was just talking to adam before we started recording <clears throat> i had a manic episode recently that was pretty bad and I was talking about how embarrassed I was about it because I basically reverted to a little kid. Uh, all my behavior was incredibly childlike. And it's, um, I don't know, it's its funny. I know the cliche with, with any kind of mental health is, uh, you know, it all stems from our childhood, but it really does. Like whatever that base programming is, we just revert to it whenever we're in these episodes. Absolutely. Yeah screaming and crying and like literally shaking my tiny fist as if that's going to do anything <laughs> hey whatever helps you get it out yeah how tiny is your fist can we see so tiny like, <laughs> that's a very small tiny fist it's a very small fist <laughs> so you were saying that you've done more work on your ptsd than your um borderline personality personality you're having a difficult time. i am having a you, should, of you should be drinking i should be drinking at least you have an excuse that's on me <laughs> uh can you talk to us about how you treated your ptsd and if it in any way correlates how you're starting to treat your uh borderline personality disorder so i did a very I and mean, i don't know why the acronym is escaping me now but there is a very like rough um ptsd treatment and i it's like eye movement desensitization emda and and it's it's like i don't know i can't think about it i've been it for five years and i can't think of it right now is it emdr yes thank you uh have not slept so emdr i did for like five years almost um basically because i um pretended that none of my trauma existed until I had one big traumatic event that like made everything come back up to the surface. And then I spent the next five years unpacking all of that. Um, so I did EMDR for a while and it's really, really difficult and like, really hard work. Um, and then it's really hard, I think, for even in like 2023 for psychologists to like acknowledge that BPD is a thing. Uh, is there such a stigma around it? Um, it's a thing that gets thrown out in court cases a lot, especially when, um, like a husband and a wife are like suing each other or like battling over something. They'll throw out that, that the wife has BPD, even though she's probably never been diagnosed because it's like the crazy woman disorder. The crazy woman that needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I have the crazy woman disorder. I do. You'll forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> I have crazy woman disorder. I just, um, <laughs> EMDR is like a ama- I I think if you don't know what it is, if you've seen the movie Get Out, yes. Okay, so the when in the scene where he is like staring at like the teacup and she's stirring it, and he's kind of she's kind of having she's kind of hypnotizing him and she's having him kind of leave his own like body. It's like that's pretty much what it is. You kind of like disassociate and then you relive the event from like a third party. Um, so you can like detach your emotions and be like, oh, that person did the right thing in this situation. What else could they have done? Um, whereas like with BPD, there's really no like treatment other than like 
I guess like dialectical like behavioral like treatment but like even that's a lot of like here's this feeling that you have tell us more about this feeling is the feeling helping or hurting we'll pack it on the floor next to me I'm just like I don't know it feels bad lady like I don't <laughs> I think this one of the worst part about treatment is like trying to verbalize your feelings right it's like trying to easily convey how you feel and if you say the wrong thing it can cause them to go in a different direction with your diagnosis your medicine all of it yeah yeah i had therapy right before this um hence why i'm drinking oh <laughs> um, yeah that's why brad <laughs> shut up i need it it's my medicine um no but uh i had I was talking about the embarrassment I feel when I go manic and when I come out of it and I use the word shame and she wanted to go down this other rabbit hole that I was like, Oh, that, 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 that's not exactly what I meant. Can we like back up? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Um, because their idea of what shame is, is maybe different than your idea. Yeah. My, my idea of shame is I want to rent a room in motel six for three weeks and uh, eat too much pizza and not return any phone calls. That sounds freaking amazing. I know, doesn't it? Doesn't <laughs> really, really good. <laughs> With the BPD, you were saying a lot of a lot of people don't recognize it as an actual illness. Are there are there standard medications with that, or is it still just kind of? It's still just mostly talk therapy. I right now I let it out because I have a therapist who's actually like specializes in the BPD, which is like unheard of. Like especially like in the middle of freaking Michigan. I'm like okay, um, oh yeah, in person. Yeah, but I'm moving in like four months, so it's like, are we? <laughs> Will they come with you? <laughs> well, I guess it depends on how much room you have in your trunk, Mister. <laughs> and if they're truly committed to their crap. <laughs> I think we could fit Kristen in my trunk, but um, yeah, there's really no, there's no medications really. There's no, there's not really even medications for PTSD. There's medications to treat like the symptoms of PTSD. There's really, I mean, and then with BPD, like what symptoms could you treat with medication besides like anxiety and depression and, and stuff? So it's like, there's not really a whole lot you can do besides like essentially study yourself and understand yourself, but then you still have to like not over intellectualize your emotions and like feel them as they happen. But you also want to be like, but wait a minute, I'm feeling this because blah, blah, instead of just like feeling it. And so there's like the back and forth, like ping pong game in my brain of like, but just cry. But, but we should talk about why you're crying. We should talk about it. Just <laughs> cry. What has that been like? That like really introspective form of therapy. You know, like really diving into yourself and the experiences that helped perpetuate your current diagnosis. Like, is that? Yeah, I'm super here. Like, yeah, like I feel like that. I feel like that's one of those things that might be worse until it gets better. That it probably like stirs up a lot emdr was like horrible for like a year basically um and you know and you learn all this wonderful stuff about yourself while you're reprocessing reprocessing some of the worst things you've like ever been through in your entire life and then the therapy i'm in now is very much like i don't have to go back and like like look at these like horrible events now we're kind of working on the well you've experienced these things and like how are you going to function as like an adult now that you've like done all this work and it's just like 
so now it's like working on like relationships and self-sabotage and um the way i react to things and basically all the things they don't really talk about like trauma therapy because trauma therapy is really just like we need to fix you so you don't go around the rest of your life thinking that like you did this to yourself and could you just be better just be better <laughs> be bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how has your experience with the therapy and the introspection has it helped hindered your relationships be that with like family friends significant others um <laughs> we haven't figured out my love life yet um so uh, that's taking a while friendships are starting to make sense like th there's like the hyper vigilance from the ptsd and then there's the oh my god everyone's gonna leave me with the bpd so it's like kind of trying to like remind myself of like like can, lauren do you have facts can you base this feeling you're having like that this person's gonna like leave your life on like facts it's like no i'm just basing it on how my body feels the last time someone said that thing to me and then you're like oh the body really does keep score god damn it okay <laughs> So, uh, like, I don't recommend the book, by the way, but uh, it really does keep score. Um, so, in terms of like, like, like romantic relationships, that's like a whole. I don't, you know, I don't have four months for that. I'm gonna have to take her in the car with me because um, that's also linked to PTSD. So it's like they are just compound one another. And so, if it's getting better, yes, especially now that I've done all the necessary, like processing and all like that work yes i don't think i could even begin to like treat my my bpd if i didn't do all of that already um it's helping it's just like I'm about to be 30 and i'm like i'm slightly better okay like slightly is good i will take it don't worry your 30s and 40s are super easy oh yeah it's just a breeze <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about your reactions to things with the bpd do you, do you find that they're they're heightened? Do you feel like you overreact? What is the in like... some in some cases? Sorry, I didn't pick up. In some cases, I like feel like I don't react at all, and people get pissed at me. Um, but I feel like most of the time, like I overreact, or like or I have to remind myself that I reaction is appropriate for the time. But it mostly just feels like insane overreacting. Um, everything feels very big, uh, like. They're in very like loud, um, even when like it's not that makes sense. Yeah, completely, completely. That's that's kind of one of the things we struggle with. Um, there, there are a lot of. I'm not as familiar with BPD, but I do know there's a lot of overlap in symptoms with bipolar, and that is one of the things we've talked about a lot on this show. <clears throat> is we just tend to feel things so much bigger than normal people for lack yeah. of a better term we blow the little stuff way out of proportion yeah and and you start feeling like am i a drama queen am i you know am i making too much of these things why aren't the people around me as as concerned with this why why did they get over a breakup so much faster than i did sure. you know why did they get over a death so much faster than I did? and it wears on you like this constantly comparing yourself to everybody else uh when really at the end of the day we got to remind ourselves that like we're fucking better. I mean, that's really what it boils down to, right? <laughs> like, you're not even superior. Yeah, yeah. Wait, did you say genetically? Yeah, genetically. Oh no, 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 no! Don't go there. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as an artist, uh, Lauren, 
how do you find, and, and I say this again, I love your poetry and I feel like I can see some of this in your poetry. Do you find that it, that you're consciously working it in or does it just kind of seep in and then you realize it later? Well, the first, so the first chapbook, Final Girl, was like a direct response to me being assaulted um, at, during my MFA program and like having to, I was like, I'm not going to drop out. Like I'm going to, and I have no support. Like I'm just going to write my way through this. Um, and then all the poems that have come after that, it's mostly subconscious. Uh, I never really have control over what I want to write. I just like start writing and then whatever pops out, pops out. Um, but the last few poems I've written, I was going through really, I was battling a narcissist. Um, and, uh, I did write two, kind of wrote two poems that like really like, like they're almost like bookends. It's like the beginning of it being really bad and then it getting really bad. And I was like, oh, these are really good poems. Um, did they help? I don't know. But like the writing feels like necessary. Like I just have to. Um, so I know it's like subconsciously cathartic. Um, but it's, and I never really sit down and like, I'm like, let me, let me write my way through this thing. It's really more like I watched an episode of kids in the hall and now I'm going to begin this with a weird line from a, a bit. And then somehow we're going to end up talking about trauma a little bit, but then going back to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy. I'm going to go back to Canada, back to Canada. I always go back to Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to hear you, you, like the rest of us artists, find some sort of coping mechanism in your writing. Have you, has it always been that way? I, I understand that your PTSD was based off of an event at a certain point in your life. But prior to that, did you find writing to be cathartic? You know, like a... Right. I, I don't... I mean, I guess I don't... I, I like feel like so I was assaulted at 15 and I feel like I don't really remember anything before that but I know I was writing a lot in high school and continuing it in like community college and then deciding to transfer to a four-year and that's when I was like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna actually do this um I don't really like I can't really recall thinking like oh this is like I, it's really always been like a you have to do this it's the only way you know how to express yourself so yeah yeah, yeah like it's Thing that makes the medium that makes the most sense to me yeah and that's i mean it, I, the reason i just paused there is because i was trying to think of a, a way to verbalize how much i agree with you right because depending on the trauma depending on the person whatever outlet you need to find or you may subconsciously find that helps you deal with the shit that you're going through i mean it's so paramount to any form of mental health. Yeah. 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 I mean, I find writing the same way. I actually, I, I wrote a, a novel that was published a couple of years ago uh, where the main character has borderline personality disorder. And it was before my diagnosis. And looking back on it, I can realize I was basically writing about everything I was going through. I had no idea. You know, it's, there was this part of me that, that was like, hey, shithead, look at this. <laughs> Hey, dumbass. Yeah. Uh, which is usually how my inner monologue goes. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, writing, writing is, I find it very therapeutic. Um, and I hate to, to kind of boil it down to that as though that's all it is. It's like another form of therapy. Obviously there's more going on, but, but really, I mean, I guess that's all art, right? Like you're, 
you're trying to express yourself. You're trying to work out something. Well, and I feel like most artists have trauma in their life. Yeah, I think it's unfortunately comedians. Yeah. Oh, definitely comedians. We've first comedians. Oh, we've talked about that a lot. Scotch, scotch, scotch. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you were saying you don't really remember anything before the, the traumatic event that caused your PTSD, that it's kind of... The first event. I have, I have it like uh, mapped out in my head. It was like three big events. Um, but yeah, before the first event, yeah, I don't really... Um, I, the, a, a weird thing that my brain does, so it's called dissociative amnesia. And my trauma therapist had explained it as like, oh, well, it's just your brain deciding that you don't need this information, so you don't need to hold on to it. But I erased like years and months and people and, and the, I, it's, it's, it, sometimes I, like, I piss people off. It's like, oh, Lauren, remember we went and we did that thing? And it was like, a, it was like junior year of college. I'm like, I was probably, I think I was going through a really bad time in junior year. So I think I erased the whole year. Um, so sor- sorry. <laughs> really fun being my friend. That's why I take so many pictures and like, like also write stuff down because like, I feel like I'll, ne- I'll, I'll accidentally like erase it, delete it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's frustrating. We've talked a lot. We have, uh, when we go manic memory gaps. Mm-hmm. There's just big chunks that just go missing. And sometimes we misremember things. Uh, our, our, our memories tend to be emotion-based. Like we may misremember a conversation as have, taking place in a way to prop up the emotion that we felt during the conversation as opposed to what actually happened. Yeah, all this stuff's so, so fun to live with. Ah, we're, like, uh, we're all like puzzles. We're constantly trying to solve ourselves. I think. Really <laughs> shitty puzzles. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, with you finally put it together and it's a schooner. You're like, God damn it. <laughs> schooner. God damn yachts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lauren, I know we're going to get a lot of questions about you, uh, about your various coping mechanisms, obviously writing. Do you have any others? Uh, comedy. Yeah consuming comedy like comedy is such a has been such a like a lifesaver just like consuming it like and you could you could talk about talk up to like oh well the laughter is very much like the best medicine but it's really just like there is something about comedy that like just saves my life over and over again i'm not really sure what it is but like i've been watching i've been having like a rough couple of days so i've just been watching like the new season of i think you should leave like over and over again um, yeah like it's great it, so good so good um and like in heart i mean horror movies are also like very like cathartic for me um really like pop culture like saves man like i i i feel like most of my life i feel like healing of any kind is very lonely and you find yourself not really knowing like who you've been talked to about it and so you just kind of like turn on the tv and like you're like oh i relate to that and then you kind of just go from there you latch onto it that's why like kiddos are so obsessed with um, like fandoms and uh and and like like really getting into a TV show and then really like standing those characters because they they see themselves in those people and they're fifteen and they need that and like so that's what I needed when I was fifteen. Yeah, yeah. I was actually um, reading a study about how specifically this was in relation to like boy bands and like pop princesses how. Older generations will belittle the music, right? Like when the Beatles come out, 
right? Like everybody was like, it's trash, it's garbage. Anyone who likes this music and um, admires these musicians is an idiot. And what that's doing is belittling the, the emotions and like the hormones and all that's associated with these subconscious feelings for these music, for this music, for these musicians. And it, like you were saying, you need that that at age. You need that association, that uh, connection, and community. That community, the feeling of community. Yeah. Not even just like mu music. Um, you know, the show Supernatural ended a little while ago. It's literally about like two like hot brothers like doing paranormal shit. <laughs> people, the 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 community, the fandom, the community is so insanely tight knit. So they're so like obsessed with the show and i'm like at first i was like oh is it because they're hot like i i guess like whatever but then i like kind of like went deeper into it because um some people like in the fandom were using some of my poems like to like apply it to an episode or to like like to describe like a certain like characters like arc and i was like oh you guys are like when you guys are in like this is like a, this is about the writing this is about like the character this is about like like oh like okay like finding bits of yourself like with it okay um and i was like huh like i like wish i had that while i was like a kid like okay like so it's cool i was like oh my god my like winchester whatever tumblr.com like loves and like my poem is supernatural oh my god thanks guys like <laughs> that's one of the beautiful things about the internet right yeah you're like able to find these really specialized communities we talked about how we're both dungeons and dragons players and prior to the internet like in the blow up that's happened about dungeons and dragons like you had to like really tiptoe around socially and be like, do you like to be an elf? Is that like, it was, it was almost like, like being gay in the 80s. There's also, you know? there's literally the new season of Painter Things is about that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. oh yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's I true. Watched it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I'm a bad D&D person. You are a bad D&D person. But I usually say that because you don't know how to roll dice. Adam just like throws it <laughs> in his face. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those fandoms are interesting. Like you talked about finding those weird connections. Uh, like my mother died when I was a month old. My dad was a Marine. He was aloof and abandoned me, blah, blah, blah. And I watched the the first season of Supernatural. I was like, oh my God, this is about me. <laughs> Driving around, listening to Classic Rock. I got a shitty Marine dad. Your mom's dead. Holy shit. <laughs> and yes, they're hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad thing. No, no. I just like the idea that like trauma breeds physical attractiveness. You know, the, the more shit you've been through, the hotter you are. Hotter, the better abs. You know, the better your abs. Well, I mean, look at the three of us. Oh yeah, That's what I would say. fucking jaw droppers. <laughs> I used to have like a like a private account in the bio of it used to say BPD baddie with a post traumatic pussy. <laughs> Oh, I love you so much. <laughs> the, the, the grippier the socks, the grippier, you know, like. Rip. I think it's the subtlety that really. Oh, yeah, me. yeah, that's that's what does it. The subtlety they can get. I'm a poet. Dad's a writer and an actor. <laughs> Did you say I'm an actor? Of course so you can't. <laughs> you talk about comedy, um, sketch. Uh, improv, stand up, all of it. I love all of it. Um, 
I got really heavily, when I was really depressed, I got heavily into kids in the hall. Um, and um, there's something about it that is, they're just, they, there's no, there's no other sketch comedy like, like theirs. Uh, I, if anything, Tim Robinson is probably like the only thing that like reminds me of Kids in the Hall, which is like the the sketches never end where you think they're going to. Yeah, um, sure. But I also like love SNL. We, my sister and I, like my sister who is an actor, singer, performer, um, she uh, and she has like stand up and like and music like in her Wall Woman show, and like she, I mean, we grew up on SNL and loved we love Ben Stiller. Um, yeah, I yeah, all kinds of comedy. I oh we and Weird Al, we were raised on Weird Al. Like my dad is like a huge, huge Weird Al buff. Like Did you, did you see the movie? movie? Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know and I don't know what it is about comedy. I don't know if it's the knowing that everyone who's like writing this stuff is like has some tortured pat like like the like the daddy drank sketch in Kids in the Hall is is true. Yeah. It is and like uh, I can't think of which one of their dads really really said like like oh how many girls called you yesterday zero plus zero equals like get yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah or like the uh the like the the birthday sketch but you're finally thirteen son it's time time to go to the rock oh my god <laughs> that's like his dad was an alcoholic like so uh. it's almost so it's almost like just being able to like like find absurdity in that is just so like i don't know i just i think that's like high art to me yeah it's it's simultaneously healing and a defense mechanism to to lean into it because i mean especially when you're dealing with the shit that the three of us are dealing with it's like what can you do but laugh at it mm-hmm. i mean you you literally just 24 7 being a ball on the floor crying if you didn't you know which which i've been <laughs> it's not productive it's not productive you got shit to do you can't be I mean, I was like working. I love that idea. I was on like, Zoom. I was like, eh. talking about horror, by the way, guys, you can't see because we're a podcast. Uh, but Lauren's fantastic VHS collection. I keep I keep picking out new movies back there. The original Pet Cemetery. Is that Nightmare on Elm Street under it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I find it interesting that you also associate with horror because you've experienced with so much horror you know, in your life, there are people who, yeah, sorry, go ahead. That's exactly it. That's yeah. like, just nailed, that's exactly why. It's yeah. funny. Cause I, I think about like, I have some friends that have been in the military. They stay miles away from any movie that has that kind of violence in it. Right. Like they, they avoid it because they're worried it's going to set off their PTSD. Right. Yeah. You know, there's a thing I read recently or no, Christy, was telling me this, Christy Wampler, who we had on uh, discussing CPTSD, that at, uh, uh, they did a study as to why true crime is so popular with women. And it's, it's uh, they called it a trauma blanket because so many women have had to deal with men where it's like, like you're constantly asking, will this guy kill me one day? And that that's a way for them to deal with it is by listening to it at a step removed. Interesting. Yeah. I And I have, I have been in the situation of, oh this man is gonna kill me sick right and then then like i survived so like i it's like love true crime and then like i love like horror because like like i hadn't i, I had when, when birth movies death was still around i don't think the essay is available online anymore but i wrote about how like finding uh texas chainsaw massacre uh at 15 like after like being assaulted was like 
this inc- this incredible moment of like, oh my god, that's me. Like when she when Sally is on the back of the truck, like laughing, screaming because she got away from him. Like I'm like, that's me. Like the final girl, like really helped me heal. Um, like you know, like like they're all like Laurie Strode and like they're all so like individually like I don't know like the best thing about the screen franchise is that we get to see like Sydney not only like survive but also thrive like she goes on to to even though she like moves into the woods she's still like a crisis like how like center like counselor um and then she ends up writing a book like she like it's really cool to like see like her growth throughout like the series like like it's a really cool thing they did with the final girl there um but i find that very cathartic but then i also like movies where everyone dies too so. <laughs> i find it interesting because like for the most part i hate how mental health is portrayed in film and tv yeah right and and horror movies especially can right yeah and yet like you were saying there's so much catharsis to be you know uh not earned but um experience experience yeah. thank you through Absorbing those uh, same films. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you watch something like In the Mouth of Madness, mm-hmm. which I would not say is accurate to mental health at all, <laughs> but but it's just so much damn fun and so cathartic. When you watch Sam Neill losing his mind at the end, watching the movie that, that you just watched with Sam Neill. Mm-hmm. Yes, go see it if you have Adam's eyes are just like, I just haven't been. Get the big eyes. Uh, you know, that's interesting, too, uh, just just kind of talking about the final girl, because I've always found the discourse around horror to be so reductive in the idea that it's this incredibly misogynistic genre when, especially in the 80s, um, that's where we got most of our cinematic female heroes. I'm not going to go so far as to say it's a very feminist genre because yeah. there is a lot of misogyny, unfortunately, but I do feel like it kind of balances out. Like you have these phenomenally strong female characters. Like you said, Laurie Strode, Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, what was uh, Jenny, Friday the 13th, part two? You know, like, like, and again, Sydney, the screen franchise, just all these like fantastic female characters who, again, are kind of, it's not just that they have to fight off the bad guys. They're always having to deal with trauma themselves. It's very fascinating. You could you could maybe write a book on it. <laughs> I know Brad's a writer and an actor. And uh, why am I bringing it up? Slippery <laughs> soap. Uh, damn it. <laughs> so speaking of uh, the concept of final girl, uh, that is a collection, as Lauren said, of her poetry that uh, is fucking phenomenal. And I recommend all of you go grab a copy of that right now. Uh, otherwise, I'll appear in your dreams standing over your bed with a bat. Does that work? <laughs> Aggressive. <laughs> no, see, marketing. Yeah, that's a marketing campaign that I can get by. So seriously, I, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. Uh, I absolutely loved Final Girl. And then Lauren's uh, second collection, Sad Sexy Catholic, uh, is just as good, if not better. Um, plus has a great title. <laughs> do you find um do you find any intersections between growing up Catholic and the things you're dealing with now? Does it add like a layer of shame? Um oh man. Yeah, it's it's so funny. There's a cat underneath me who is demanding uh, <laughs> uh it's just like funny because I feel like if the church wasn't so heavily involved with like 
at least on my dad's side, like maybe they would have like taken like therapy like ser- seriously instead. And because before, before it was just like, oh, well, you just go to church and like go through therapy. You just, you just talk to God or you talk to your priest, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh boy, well, look how that like turned out for a whole lot of people though. So the, the whole confide in your priest thing. So um, maybe therapy was the right idea all along. Um, and um, I hate that like it's, taken like so many like i don't want to say so many old people but so many people who are like in my dad's age and up who are just now being like yeah i guess we should have like i could have gone to therapy i guess at that point in time when that thing happened and so i'm just praying it away yeah or it's such an interesting crossroads when it comes to mental health right because now there's so much more awareness and yet there's still so much ignorance ignorance about it right so like people are like we're either going to start going to therapy or double down on crushing it and not acknowledging it. Well, like Lauren said, some people don't even recognize borderline personality disorder. Pe- people who deal with mental illness sometimes don't recognize borderline personality disorder as an actual illness. And you know, we've talked before about how even with bipolar, which seems to be more out there in the conversation, there are people who just don't believe it's real. You know, like we hear Laura bullshit all the time that we love to poke fun at him here. Amazing about, emails. Yeah. Amazing, amazing emails, emails <laughs> where, where it's just like, it's like, you know what you need to do? You need to just exercise more and eat some quinoa and some avocado and you'll be perfect. <laughs> and it's like, God damn it. <laughs> the toxins in your body, the toxins are like, you're rearranged, you know, like you're just clear it out. Yeah. Have you ever gone to like a saltwater spring, just kind of sat in it for a while? You know what? C- CBD oil and hot yoga. That's right. That's right. That's what I'd recommend. Yeah. I feel like religion probably can compound all that bullshit too. Because like you said, you, you feel like you can pray it away. There's this whole idea of like, God God wanted us to do these things that are natural. And you know, if, if you need Prozac, well, Prozac's not natural, is it? You know, that's interesting because, you know, my experience is I was raised Roman Catholic, right? Um, and for instance, my mother is devout and she finds and gets a lot of her strength from her religion and her approach to religion is obviously not as toxic as some other people's. Right. So I wonder like Episcopalian, uh, Unitarian, um, the different religions view on mental health and its treatment. Like do all religions kind of view it like right away. Or if anyone listening is Unitarian, Episcopalian, um, Episcopalian, that's not where you only eat fish, right? That's what? Pescatarian. Pescatarian. <laughs> cool. Well, the- Episcopalian, you don't eat carbs. Uh, that's what it is. Presbyterians are the chillest and coolest about mental health. Um, really and going as far back to like the 70s um Greer Langton she was a trans sculptor her the church paid for her transition um, really oh wow that's pretty awesome they were like super cool then so when I was trying to fit in in, in grad school and was like sure I'll, I'll drive in 90 minutes with you to go to church sure nothing else to do um the Presbyterian sermons were like pretty metal they were like, <laughs> uh, some Roman Catholic ceremonies had an acoustic guitar, so not for nothing. 
<laughs> you know what I what I think it might be the the worst thing that comes up at the intersection between religion and mental health mm. isn't necessarily the views on mental health themselves, but the idea that like there's certain topics we shouldn't talk about. Right. You know, like if you went through something sexual, just keep your mouth shut. We don't talk about that. That's a, you don't talk about that flight society. That makes the baby Jesus cry. And you can't deal with any of this stuff if you can't be open about it. And not only can you not deal with it, it adds a layer of shame. You know what else made the baby Jesus cry? What happened to me? So <laughs> that's true. That's true. And and those diapers. And the diapers. Yeah. Pepperash is real people. <laughs> Hashtag baby. educate yourselves. Hashtag baby Jesus Deborah. Don't hashtag. Don't I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not a good example. So what what do you have coming up uh work wise, Lauren? Uh, I well I don't think I can announce it yet, but I got a really cool we so we do we do PR junkets and stuff at work and I got a I got a really a, a potentially very cool interview opportunity that will make my whole life. Um but also like I've been like trying to rank David Cronenberg's like all twenty-two of his movies for like weeks at work, just doing it by myself because no one else like knows his movies. So that's hopefully coming out this week and I never want to look at it ever again. <laughs> like, I I just saw uh a 35 millimeter film print at the Alamo Draft House of um, Videodrome. Oh, I'd never seen it on the big screen before. And man, could and one thing that I thought of while watching it was ultra batshit conservative conspiracy theorist James Woods. I would love to interview him about what he thinks about that movie. <laughs> James, you had a vagina on your stomach. Like, what was what was going on there, man? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, that's. That's good. That's gonna die. Or recolor my next viewing because I forgot about that. God, isn't Deborah Harry hot? That uh, awesome. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Jesus, I'm having just so everyone knows, I'm getting a weird echo in my headphones and it's latency, so it's that. That's why he's slurring his speech. Right. That's why it has nothing to do with the three grams of heroin. Nope. It's just the latency. Lord, thank you so much for talking to us. We really yeah. appreciate you sharing your experience and talking to our audience about what you're going through. And good for you for dealing with it and fighting. You know, it's not easy. Yeah, we we appreciate your openness and what we tell a lot of people. And we have a hard time remembering this ourselves, but you're a fucking badass. Yeah. And try to try to keep that in mind. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, everybody at home, thank you for listening. Keep sharing your stories with us, this podcast with other people. Leave voice messages on the Spotify link. We love those. Oh, they're amazing. So or, or message us on Instagram. We send texts back and forth to each other like two or three times a day with these different messages. And it's so uplifting. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll get a little vulnerable here. Oh. Uh, we received a couple of emails over the weekend and they, they teared me up. You know, it's, it's horrible dealing with this shit. And knowing that we're somehow helping people just by being a couple of jackasses mouthing off, <laughs> um, it's touching and it means a lot to us. And so you guys listening and you guys reaching out to us, it, uh, it helps us. So thank you. We see you. We love you. Thank you.